Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. We get to put a bow on the AFC East today, Andy, which means we are talking about the market implied better of the two teams in the AFC East. Which are not my better two teams. I, I in was the gonna AFC say, East. should we start with that? When I, I think we should, these, yeah. When I put these together, it's always very easy to figure out like who's the favorite, who's the Jags, or you Surely. know, shit. Always Jets. Easy. Those are easy. And then the middle two, it's usually well, you know, obviously it's gonna be the Vikings and the Packers, and then the Bears and the Lions are on the lower end. Like I've watched enough of these. Some of these are close. And I guess I was surprised that. You know, the market is implying the Patriots have a little better of a chance to win this division. I just went by divisional odds and a few other things. And I checked two or three places and I just said, fuck it, we'll put Miami on the Monday show, Patriots on the Wednesday show. It doesn't matter all that much, but it did get me thinking, like, in my mind and how my power rankings are, I think we talked about this on Monday. We said in in a Patriots, um, Patriots-Miami game, I think we talked about, like, we have them Paul ranked very similarly. They should be getting like one and a half, two points for home field. And that should be it. And really, if I was looking at it from a, a long game perspective, I do think for the most part, Miami has a higher upside, although we'll get to a lot of the things that uh, affected the Patriots negatively last year that I think are going to turn around this year. I think they have upside as well, but I think Miami has a higher upside. I'd like Miami more as a divisional bet if we weren't saying those are stupid because the bills are just a, you know, a GD truck and those numbers aren't big enough in either way. But if you made me bet one of those prices, Patriots or Miami to win the division, or even just, uh, you know, some places have uh, exact finish positions. You could bet who wins second in the division. I would take Miami over the Patriots almost every time because I do think higher upside chances and yeah, here, but here we are on the second show of the week talking about the Patriots right off the bat. Yeah, I agree with you in general, sentiment, everything, uh, because we are, I think we are in lockstep that the most important part when you come, when it comes to handicapping a team's strength is their quarterback play. And I think it is fair to look at the Patriots quarterback situation among all 32 NFL teams and rank them either 31st or 32nd. This is a very, very, very significant problem uh, with them, with, you know, with supporting them in, you know, in, in any betting market to do anything this year. And there are, there is some bullish sentiment out there about the Patriots this season, probably just born out of the fact that Belichick spent as much money as he did in the off season. And they feel like, he wants to do something good, therefore he will, because that's kind of how Belichick has always operated. But the quarterback situation is really a showstopper for me with this team. And we'll get into that more in detail, but I think it's fair to start looking at last year's uh, start to their season. Because I, I know, I think we were on the same page through three games. I was kind of pleasantly surprised about how well Cam Newton was playing and throwing in particular. I was hard against the Patriots in week two 
when they played the Seattle Seahawks. I thought the Seahawks were going to run amok on them. Uh, the Seahawks ended up covering, but it was close, 35-30 yeah. game. And I thought Cam Newton threw the ball relatively well in that game. He came came back and went home, beat the Raiders in week three. And at that point, it was fair to assume that if things were kind of trending right, if they stayed healthy, they could win or compete or do something or be in the mix for the playoffs. And then yeah. Cam Newton got COVID and everything went off the damn rails. Um, and that's the thing too. Even before Cam got COVID, I was confused would be the right word for it. Because I mean, take three steps back before we even get to the quarterback. They had a league high eight opt-outs. Three yes. more than any other team. True. I think I took this right from the, the almanac. Four of them were presumed starters and a lot of them were defenders. Like, and then you lost Kyle Van Noy to Miami, a couple other people to free agency. It's like, oh, this defense might stink. And that was a strength. And we're replacing Tom Brady. Like, really, really don't know where we're going with this team. They win game one, but it was like a running game. Like, Cam Newton yeah. ran the ball a lot. His passing was okay. And it's like, is this what we're going to do? Are they going to expect him to run for 1,000 yards this year? And just kind of keep it short. You know, his average uh, depth of target was actually really short as a whole for the games he played. He only ended up, uh, I think he only missed the one game. He started 15 games. So he did get the COVID. We had a Brian Hoyer start. We saw some Stidham time. It was a very un, uneven year. Like they, and really they hadn't, if you want to get into this, it's, it's, it's easy to throw a bunch of these, you know, iPod, not eye popping stats, but like they hadn't missed the playoffs since 2008. That was a year without Tom Brady as well. He tore his ACL right off the bat. He still won 11 games with Matt Castle, didn't make the playoffs. But yeah, this was the opt outs, the poor quarterback play, the really struggling to find their identity without uh, the continuity at quarterback, without the good defense. And they finished seven and nine. And really, I went back and looked at all the games. And there was a couple that stood out like, oh, they snuck one by or, oh, they should have had that. But really, for the most part, when I looked back at this season, it's like with the talent they had and the quarterback play they had, they kind of won the games they should have and lost the games they shouldn't, you know? like 100%, yes. Yeah, I think I think 7-9 and nine was probably right on par for what, what we should expect into that team if you, like, knew in advance, this is about where you're getting out of Cam. Cam threw for, like, 2,500 yards, man. He, he ran for a bunch. It was almost 600 yards, but he just he wasn't passing deep. They had some issues just with the entirety of the offense, and uh, it felt like Belichick was patient. Like, he just kind of ca called it a throwaway year. I'd like your opinion on that. It, he didn't ever seem, like, overly frustrated by not being top dog anymore. I think he's more of a realist than people realize. It's like, well, we don't have Tom Brady we had eight guys opt out. Our defense was just ravaged by that and free agency. Like, uh, we're not going to be good this year. I, I mean, it, it just felt like he kind of was at peace with it, knowing he had a plan. And, I mean, we'll get to the offseason plan because there was a lot that happened in the offseason for this team, obviously. Yeah, I I guess. We had hot takes Bel about Belichick, and you you and I both. Yeah. So like, what I mean, what do you think, not only that, but his career arc. We talked about that a little last year too. Like, is he, is he wanting to do a rebuild at this point? You know, he's an older man. He's he's getting up there at age. He's like, is he ready for a rebuild? Does he want to do that after just being crazy successful for like two decades? 
And I guess the answer is kind of like, especially if he's able to flip it around quick. They had a lot of dead cap. They had a lot of space and they went and did stuff about it this offseason. So does that change your mind about what you think Belichick's career arc in his mind is still? It's a tough one. He is a very, very hard book to read in terms of what. Yeah, I, I mean. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, whether we're going to get five more years of Belichick or one. Um, the fact that they drafted Mac Jones in round one implies that he's at least in on the rebuild. The idea that, you know, the Mac Jones pick might've been a McDaniels pick and he's ready to just hand the keys to McDaniels if this season doesn't work out. It's not crazy to me. Nope. The idea that all the spending wasn't Belichick's idea. It was Kraft saying, Hey, you know, we got this money. Let's go spend it. Let's compete. You know, go get some players. Go get some weapons. Like, you know, I, you know, the idea that that he that Belichick's like, well, it's Kraft's money. If he wants to spend it, that's fine. Uh, and you know, they got what they got for it. That you know that that's not you know, like I can see it both ways. Where this is a driven by Belichick to desire to win kind of a uh, an off season, and I can also see it where it's like Belichick's r- one foot out the door ready to hand it all off and just kind of writing it out last year was did feel like a uh, a little bit of a i don't give a fuck season um and it started yeah, I mean, right, it started with the like, it started with all the it started with all the opt-outs like literally like he's like oh uh n- none of you guys are really no no one you all need a year off okay uh you know and it did feel like he kind of threw his hands up because they were not especially active in terms of, you know, really trying to address those holes in their roster. And it didn't really hurt them. Their defense was fine last year. Their problem, okay. as you pointed out, was the passing offense was a fucking disaster. And it all kind of was borne out from the fact that Cam Newton hurt his shoulder three years ago and has never gotten over it. Cam Newton was a unique talent when he was able to gain short yardage at will. He was able to gain you a touchdown on the goal line at will for years. And that came with the consequence of he got hit a lot in the upper body. And over time, either through attrition or one specific injury, who knows, he has no longer uh, no longer has the ability in his throwing arm that he had when he was a younger man. 31 is not especially old for a quarterback, but considering how many times Cam Newton has been hit in his career, I think that the likelihood that he suddenly finds it, flips the switch, and has an accurate passing, you know, passing the ball down the field type of season ahead of him this year is very low. Very low. My expectations are about as low for him as a quarterback passing the ball as anyone who's taking snaps this year. Um, Because I just don't see the upside. Yeah. And. Oh, you know, just also, like you mentioned, they drafted Mac Jones. We talked about Bill Belichick being, he's pert near 70. He's been in the league forever and a day. Pert like, near? Pert near. I, I don't know. Yeah, I do say that once in a while. I don't know if I'm, if I'm, if I'm any team, I'd like, well, I'd like to see what I have in Mac Jones. But also if I'm 69 years old, that's how old he is. I didn't want to say that and watch you giggle. 
juvenile, but uh, if I'm if I'm yeah if I'm almost seventy and I draft a quarterback in the first round and the other quarterback in my roster kind of looked like shit, can't throw deep. He's not you know a lot of his strengths have been taken away through age, attrition, injury. I'm I'm probably just going to Mac Jones sooner than later. It'll be you know we'll see once we get to camp. But I mean just kind of kind of putting a bow on the 2020 season. I do think that. Belichick's more of a pragmatist than we realize. It's just, it's hard to see that when they're constantly winning 13 games and going to Super yeah. Bowls. But he comes off as grumpy, but in, in the sense, it's like, well, it took losing the greatest quarterback maybe of all time and a global pandemic of massive proportions that caused a bunch of people who otherwise would have been healthy contributors to just completely skip the season. That's what it took for me to drop a, a 12 year playoff streak where we won multiple Super Bowls. Like he, he realizes like these, these circumstances were quite irregular and you have to just deal the hand, you know, play the hand you're dealt. And I, I think knowing where they were with the cap and what was going to happen next year, if everything went okay with COVID, like he was fully prepped to just pop it this year. And I think they did. Uh, they did make a decent splash in the offseason, as much as a team can, without getting a high-end quarterback in free agency. I suppose. Yeah, I guess if you're making me just choose, I'm choosing Belichick is more is closer to foot out the door than he is really bought in on this rebuild. And, yeah, he might yeah. just be wait putting it on Mac. Like, hey, if Mac works out, I'll coach him for five, ten years. I don't care. And yeah. if not. <laughs> this is hey, McDaniel's Daniels, problem. This is your mess. <laughs> it's your problem. Yeah. So. Um, the I, yeah, and the, I mean, the other reason I say that is like, if you are a realist and you are looking around at the landscape of the AFC right now, the chances that you are going to be in the top half of the AFC consistently over the next ten years compared to the bottom half, considering your quarterback situation relative to the other quarterback situations, is not good. Like you are behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. Um, Mac, if you know, even if Mac works out, you're probably on the fringe, you know, maybe sixth, seventh choice year in, year out the next four or five years. Yeah. We'll, we'll get if to he Mac works out more too, if, if, if he works out. So there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of kind of smoke signals, you know, potential, I think for Belichick to be kind of sooner to the end than the beginning. And I think we saw a lot of it starting last year. And really the fact that you had such, such a, dynamic offense for so many years with the Patriots under Tom Brady. And then last year to this, this, this was a mess. This was a hot mess. They had two, two games of over 300 yards passing. That's insane. That's insane. And those two games came against the Seahawks who, when they were playing absolute terrible defense, just miserable defense. And they came against the, the Texans who also concede quite a lot through the air. So yeah, the, the track meet early. And that was where a lot of the confusion came from. I'm like, after week one, it's like, all right, they're going to run a lot and hopefully their defense can backfill and they can coach them to be a decent defense. The secondary is still very good. Like, you know, what, what are we going to get here? And then the second week it's like, Oh, we're going to have a track meet. Like, I don't know what's happening with like identity, a lack of identity for the offense right off the bat and then never finding it. That's, I mean, that's a good way to do them a season. Yeah. And, and you had I, a number, I guess, as I'm reflecting even more, you had a number of games where you went up against teams that were giving you the run. 
The Chiefs is a good example. The Bills is a good example. Those teams were giving you the run. Said, hey, take it. Guess what? You scored 10 points against the Chiefs. You scored 21 points against the Bills, even though you had almost 200 yards rushing in those two games. Yeah. Right? So they kind of they, – they, teams knew how they wanted to defend them. They gave them a specific uh, angle of attack, and it didn't really help them find winning football. Um, and when the, run, when the run was plan A and it didn't work, like against the Niners – you get six points <laughs> or against the Rams, you get three points, you know? So there was, there were a couple of, um, there was a lot of red flags beyond just the fact that Cam Newton's arm is so, 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 so past peak that it is tough for me to even acknowledge that there is a ceiling for him that is higher than what we saw last year. Right. And, yeah, and, and, and that's another yeah. reason why, you know, we, right off the bat, we talked about Miami is listed as a longer dog to win the division this is not only hey they missed the playoffs for the first time they finished third in the division we talked about that with miami on monday they you know they were the first team out like the patriots finished with a losing record they were third in their division you know they never had a chance to be fourth obviously some a team was very very bad but just you know not not just getting nipped by the bills like they were behind miami this was a very struggling offense and i think that was, you know, the reason why we saw what they did in the offseason. We'll get to these offseason changes now. It's just, it was, it felt like it was like one day. And yeah. I know it wasn't, but man, it was like bang, 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 bang. Hunter Henry, John Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, um, Kyle Van Noy back. That's, you know, obviously on the other side of the ball, Matt Juden, Mac Jones in the draft. Later on, they drafted a decent interior lineman from a high-end school. Like it's like, all right, well, maybe maybe we can run it back with this squad. Like if, That's if a, you have this a, this a all, almost every name you named is a middle class player. Yeah, it, it, they didn't get out. It's it's like uh, you know a a uh, an aggregation of decent talent. They didn't go out and get a splash and like a really high end receiver. Although they did get two. Top they got the two ends. best tight ends in in the class, but still, that's oh for sure. You, know. you get two top ten tight ends. You've had success in the in the past with this coaching staff playing a, a very good sets, style sure. of offense with two tight end sets and then two decent receivers. You draft the quarterback of the future, maybe you add some pieces back to the defense. Like I think it'll be a better offense. I don't know if Cam can do that though. I guess here's here's kind of the closing thought, two closing thoughts on the 2020 season, and let's dig more into these offseason changes. Number one, was it a problem that you had such a weak se uh, set of skill position players? Yes, of course. Part of this part of this issue of lack of identity on offense, part of this issue of we leaned so heavily into the run game was they are decent self-evaluators game to game. They knew their best chance was to lean on the strength of their unit, which was the offensive line, creating space, you know, getting push, and you know, not asking Cam to try to do too much through the air because he wasn't capable of throwing the ball more than 10 yards down the field accurately. And that's fine, but the fact that in and part of that problem was you didn't have skill position players. Completely acknowledge that. The defense was good, not great. And this is this is they had you know coming off of a season where they were at times all time elite the previous year, especially to start the season. 
again, going up against very, 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 very weak quarterback play, but we will set that aside for now. Through the first half of the 2019 campaign, the New England Patriots defense looked like one of the best units we've ever seen take the field on defense. And they lost a lot of those guys to the holdout. We completely acknowledge that. But I still don't know that defense ever wins you much in the NFL in today's day and age. And so getting all those players back, addressing your weaknesses for the uh, in the passing game, I really... I don't I don't think it's going to do all that much to really move the needle for them in terms of where they stand in the landscape of a very competitive AFC. And that's where we get into the offseason changes in a little bit more detail, which is to say Hunter Henry, great pickup. Uh, he's no Gronkowski. You're paying him twelve and a half million dollars a year. Johnny Smith. Spendy. Johnny Smith. Same, same amount of money. Great pickup. He's no Aaron Hernandez. You're paying him $12.5 million a year. Um, Kendrick Bourne is your wide receiver one. Nelson Aguilar is your wide receiver two. Uh, Nikhil Harry looks like another bust that you've drafted in the early rounds. He's he's asking for a trade. I don't think he's on the team. I, I don't think he's on the team. Nelson Aguilar got used weird in Oakland, Vegas, LA, whatever. I think if, if he can return to being a really high-end slot player, like we saw when he was doing well back in the day, I think he's going to be successful. But, yeah, having Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers on the outside, you better hope this tight end shit works. And Aguilar. Can be <laughs> and and, and where, I, where I do like, again, they went and got players, and these aren't splashy, splashy names bring back Trent Brown. You have Isaiah Wynn if he's healthy. You have pretty good guard play. You have good tight ends. Not it's not Kelsey. It's not, you know, it's not the, the super elite, but it's very above average tight ends and a, an above average guy who can play really well out of the slot for a team who might not be able to pass deep to outside receivers. And a team who's done this successfully in the years with good slot play good two tight end sets. So it feels like they almost went out instead of making a splash, instead of trading up for a high end receiver, they went and got, Hey, we're going to get good tight ends. We're going to get a slot guy and we're going to continue to pass short and make that work because I don't think cam can pass deep and we don't know what we have in Mac Jones right now. So, I mean, it feels like a smart enough team to know, that you're not going to turn this offense into the Patriots with Brady and Moss overnight. And they went and got some guys and, you know, maybe address the outside receivers through the free agency trades or draft next year. You're not going to make this offense great in one year, but with some stability at the line. And like I said, the two tight ends, uh, Aguilar, and and again, the the running back du jour doesn't matter. I don't think they'll do what they do with running backs. I don't care who they have back there. It's not going to be a good running back room, but it never is. Offensive line should be a strength quarterback, huge question mark. And then just if you get anything out of Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, you're, I think you're happy and this offense takes a step forward. Hmm. Yeah. Again, it's it's really predicated. And they again, they're they're not saying, hey, we're giving Mac the keys. They might start if they started Mac Jones day one, game one. Would you be surprised? Because it's the Patriots. They don't tell you shit. No, and I mean that that make that makes me reevaluate their potential ceiling for the season. Because Mac Jones could be 
league average. I'll, I'll entertain those that thought. Um, I think they I, I worry a bit that they downgraded their offensive line a bit. I think we've Trent Brown's best football is long behind him. Marcus Cannon yeah. is going to be felt. That loss is going to be felt. Uh, replacing um, Joe so Thune the- with uh, Own Wenu on the same side so- of the line as Isaiah Wynn is a little bit of a problem on the blind side. What do you think? And I, I want you to dig into Owenu. He actually had a good year. Okay. He's not a big name, but he, yeah, I think he's going to be fine. Mason will be fine. Trent Brown, yeah, he's a little longer in the tooth. His best football's behind him, you're right. But you could do worse at right tackle. And Wynn is good when healthy. It might be a tiny step back, but I think it, it's been a good enough line over these years where it's still going to be a top 10 offensive line. And if you have shitty quarterback play, at least you have that. Yeah, I guess. And, you know, if you if you put two tight end sets on the field and John Smith and – Tanja Henry are getting lots of snaps. You can obviously your pass pro is going to be a little bit better off. Although neither of those guys are especially good in pass pro anyway, but that's fine. You're going to have a little bit heavier sets out there, so I think you'll be fine ultimately. Um, but I don't have a high grade on Win, and I had a very high grade on Thuni. Uh, David Andrews getting older as well. Shaq Mason, I do think, is kind of a standout performer, but he's on the right. You know, right, your right guard. You know, like, it's not moving the needle. And I, you know, I think you're probably going to end up with a lot of Kendrick Bourne and Aguilar on the outside. And then in, in, uh, in 12 personnel with Johnny Smith and, uh, um, and Hunter Henry on the field together. And, you know, I, this is now the, you know, the Damian Harris show at running back, I suppose. Uh, don't have super, super strong feelings about him. Sonny Michelle was obviously a huge waste of draft capital. Uh, Nikhil Harry was a huge waste of draft capital. Um, you know, you can only swing and miss so many times at the top of the draft and then also have attrition in terms of just players aging out of, you know, being competitive and still be as good a team as we expect. So there's a lot of red flags really with the way that this off season went. Um, and you know, anyone that was just pointing to the, uh, uh, the players that were signed and saying, well, it's good because we're spending money and we're getting players in. Well, you know, you're hitting a lot of, you're trying to hit a lot of singles here. Yeah, you can't either try to hit a home run at one spot, and I just don't think that's the – unless the right team – essentially, and if, it's funny because Aguilar, it's like the Raiders didn't have a good enough player for them to trade, you know, trade with them and take someone really good. So it wasn't, it wasn't in the cards this year. I think we see a marginal improvement on the offense. The defense will be what the defense is and should be coached up well, and they're getting some guys back. So uh, – I, well, and we'll get to this when we get to schedule and odds. I think we can see an improvement, but really don't know what I'm getting with Mac. I think, and you know, we'll move to the to the quarterbacks. I know what I'm getting in Cam Newton at this point in his career, and that's where yeah. I wanted. I want to see Mac sooner than later. If I'm Mac and Cam, fan, I'm a, it's Cam that's spelled a backwards. That's a and I should have just put a V instead of versus because it would have yeah, been a full palindrome. A full palindrome. Um, yeah, if they ever had a court case, it would be a palindrome. I'm sure they would use their last names in legal documents. So, But Cameron Newton, we know what we're getting out of him. We saw it. He's not uh, – we've been wrong before, but I can feel pretty confident saying he's not going to return to MVP form. Yes. And then Mac, everything I've seen, and I did a little research on him the last couple of days, kind of dug in. I didn't rewatch any film because I watched a lot of his games. 
and that you know i watched some clips but really we can do this all the time. We shit on these Alabama quarterbacks over the years and just say, you know, the McCarrens and everyone else who just come to the league and they're, they're fine backups because they were in such a talented system with all pro receivers. And so, yeah. Oh yeah. When you have, you know, four guys that get drafted on your offensive line and Julio Jones is your receiver, like, Oh weird. You're going to look good. Mac Jones probably doesn't fit in that, you know, the AJ McCarron bottle or bucket or whatever. I think he's better than that. I think he can be a league average quarterback. I don't see him being an absolute bust, but it's just like, I don't have this high ass ceiling for him. I don't have a, you know, him being, he doesn't have the arm. He's not, you know, the super athletic uh, prototype slash quarterback. He just doesn't have a high ceiling. And it it feels like his range is very limited. Like he's just always going to be, if, if it works out, he's going to be Kirk Cousins. Like, oh man, hey, this guy can be top 10 next year. And then he just isn't. It's like, ah, oh, he's middle of the pack. He wasn't bad. He didn't kill us. Like, it, that's that's my Mac take. I don't know. What what do you think of him? Same exact same exact philosophy. I think if anything, I'm, I have a, a, a skewed distribution to the low side because um, of exactly all the points you mentioned, which is... He was in an ideal system with amazing, amazing receivers. And they played a weak SEC defensive conference last year. And he was thrown to guys. He was playing pitch and catch to guys who were wide freaking open. And it's going to be very different at the NFL level. And it could take him a couple of years to make that adjustment. Uh, and you're right. I don't have, I think, I mean, I kind of, if you told me, is he going to be better in five years than Joe Burrow? I would probably say 40% he is, 60% he's not. If you were to tell me he'll be better in five years than Zach Wilson, I'd say 30, he's not, 70, he is, 30% he is, 70% he's not, right? So, like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. other guys kind of in this mix who could kind of move into that echelon. If, if, you know, is he going to be better than Trevor Lawrence in, in five years? I'd say 20% chance he is, 80% chance he's not, right? Like, there's a lot of guys, I think, that have an advantage on him from a physical skill set standpoint uh, and maybe even on rosters with better offensive weapons uh, that are going to be able to show up earlier um, as young QBs. And that may impact people's perceptions of Mac Jones as he kind of tries to make it at the NFL level. And, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't an accident that he was the fifth fifth quarterback taken in this draft. Like a lot of what the other guys in the draft that were taken ahead of him, Trey Lance and Fields in particular, they have an added, you know, an added element of athleticism that they can get first downs with their legs that I don't think you can count on Jones to do that, right? So he doesn't not, not really at this fit. level. Yeah, he doesn't against really a Vanderbilt fit. defense, maybe. Right, but it, I'm not. It, you know, if he, if he has more than 200 yards of rushing this season and starts every game, I will be floored. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think in general. Mac Jones is more of a known quantity than some of the other quarterbacks taken ahead of him. And in general, uh, I even with the tutelage of a Belichick and McDaniels as a young player, I think that there are a lot of other quarterbacks who are young, who we don't really know, who are unknown quantities, who I would say he has a low likelihood of ultimately being better than. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. Um, big question mark, but maybe not as much if we get Mac. I think... Yeah, but I, yeah, I think I, actually, you know in, what? In that exact sense, is the Patriots stealing higher going with Mac Jones from week one than going with Cam Newton? I would say yes. I'd say yes. I think, but I think like both distributions are 
pretty centered as far as like there's agree. not long tails on either like the, the long tail for either is injury and then the other one steps in so then that kind of kills the long tail the long tail to the over or overperforming is just not there i don't think for mac to be you know a lot better than we expected or cam to return to the form we saw in years past so like i don't see this like this team is not an alt over and alt under wins team for me this is a team that probably lands within a game or it's one of the teams that lands within a game or two of their regular season win total almost all the time. And, uh, you know, outside of some disastrous injuries, cluster injuries, or just some general weirdness with everyone on their schedule. I, I this team is not exciting for me to talk about outside of once we get to the year and we get to, you know, we get to see Mac play. We get to see what these receivers tight ends can do with his offense. And cause I, I, f- I feel like this team in general, like, is mirroring what I just said about Mac Jones. This team doesn't have a high ceiling or a low floor. And I think it's it's because the quarterback play is probably going to fall into that range. And that's the most important. You know what you're getting from coaching? The defense yeah. is going to be stout. The running yeah. backs suck. The receivers yeah. aren't great. And it's, it's going to come down to gameplay. Like, the, a lot of the season's probably on McDaniels. Okay, so to put a point on this, there are six teams on your schedule that can get to 30 points comfortably against your very good defense those are probably all auto losses i don't know that this patriots team is comfortable is going to roll out and really ever give you 30 point performance uh unless there's some fluky defensive scores that buoy those totals um and so the other uh what does that mean leave the other 11 games on your schedule where your opponent is kind of going to get into the mid 20s that's where you got to make your hay you gotta you gotta win a lot of those 11 games, if you're going to make your win total, and that's going to rely heavily on this defense, keeping some of these other you know offenses that have low ceilings, keeping them into the low 20s to give you a chance to win some of these games. Uh, what are What is your general thought on the way that this defense is currently power ranked? We talked about uh, on Monday the, uh, the fact that they were kind of in the same ballpark power ranking as uh, the Miami Dolphins. Right now, the market has them as the tenth expected 10th best defense in the NFL, the way that the uh, look-ahead lines are constructed. Uh, does that check out to you? Is, is this a top 10 defense from a personnel standpoint? Yeah, I think so. Um, still going to be a very strong secondary, getting some, some new faces. But again, some of them aren't all that new. Like, you get Kyle Van Noy back. It's not like, oh, man, we got to teach Kyle Van Noy the system. Like he'll be fine. Juden was great last year. I thought that was, I'm more excited about Juden than the tight ends. Like that's a good edge piece. You, you now have a pretty decent, your, your, I'd say your front seven was, and probably still is weaker than your secondary. And you made some nice additions there. Like uh high tower back. Uh, I, I don't know how to feel about the interior defensive line, but I think it's a strong secondary and a good front four with high-ish upside. So yeah, I have them right around 10th, 11th for defense. And I think just based on the fact that we've seen them coach up defenses in the past, a good coaching staff makes a big difference to a defense. And the fact that you have some decent continuity, especially you're not really, I guess, Mills, but other, you know, you have McCordy, Gilmore, Jackson, and Jones. It's, it's continuity in the secondary and it was a good secondary in the years past. Obviously there's a contract issue with one of these guys. We'll see how that hashes out, 
but yeah, I'm Gilmore. I'm I'm yeah, I'm bullish on this defense for sure. And I think I uh, you know, I, th- I think the ceiling is maybe not top five, but somewhere in that five to ten range, and even the floor probably somewhere in the 10 to 15 and I I'd see the ceiling more than the floor in most cases, just based on how we saw them play last year after getting kind of effing gutted and having to play with their depth. Yeah. You have the best quarterback tandem in the league in Gilmore and Jackson. Those two guys are studs. Uh, you have great safety play from McCourty. Uh, well, and, and, and talk about what, what that allows you to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, we, you, yeah, you, yeah, that gives you what did so we, much Who did we bring up on Monday? Um, uh, Salah. How yeah. Salah played his defense because of who he, you know, he had more, it was a ward, yeah. Like, when you have these players, you can afford to play a different type of defense. You, you're not limited. Like, when you have probably the best cornerback tandem, and I, I agree, that's a great point by you. Like, that's true. It allows you to do so many different things with the rest of your defense if you aren't worried about getting those guys help and you can just put them on islands at certain times. And you can create all kinds of blitz packages, different kind of disguised coverages, disguised blitzes. You are allowed to do a lot more when you have great cornerback play in today's passing league. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed that. Those two are – everything's going to be predicated on that working out, and I, I think it continues to work. Yeah. Now the a different take really on the guys who are coming back off of COVID um, absence. I have a tough time believing a guy like Hightower after a year out of football is going to be able to play and perform at a level that we saw pre COVID. I just, I, I don't, I feel like one year removed from football from as you know, from a, just a, a, a personal um, how you are prepared for the game of football kind of sense. Uh, might as well be 10 years. Um, and so I worry about those guys having much impact at all in the season. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that, yeah, yeah, wow, four four new pieces across the D-line. That's a total yeah. revamp. Um, and, five and new again, starters on defense. It is four, four new pieces and all, but one of them being, oh, man, my camera went wild on me. I guess I'm just going to be pixelated for this part. But, yeah, Van, Van Noy knows the system. Juden's very good. The interior, I, I don't have strong takes on, but yeah, Hightower, and let's go with that quick, say that, and I 100% agree with you, but if you were taking player X and player Y, and they both sat out last year, but one of them played for the Patriots, sure. Like, I yeah. feel like it, it does lessen that a little. Like I'm sure the team was still in communication with him like if you're coming back next year you're doing these things or we're just going to cut your ass because that's what we do we'll cut we'll cut bait quickly and you know they like him and he's been fine i i do think you're right like it's he's not just going to bounce back and be at 2019 levels but if any team in the league can get a guy to do that or at least close to that it is a team with a high-end coaching staff like this yeah i i this isn't just patriot specific but i'm not counting on contributions really from anyone who's coming off of if uh, it'll be a pleasant surprise if any of the guys who took off last year have a meaningful impact on any team this year in my opinion um so uh what does that leave us with a schedule let's take a look Mm -hmm. because it's weird this is a weird schedule for two reasons they have some pretty obvious disadvantage spots that are clustered and they're that they're they're nasty like they got to play both the jets and the chargers off of their buys they got to play 
they got to go on the road two weeks in a row right after that play the Panthers they got uh, a nasty spot where they're losing um, they're losing uh, rest against the Buffalo Bills the second time they play them on the road or actually it's the first time they play them uh, their bye gets neutralized so they don't have a rest advantage ever uh, this is a this is a tough schedule from a rest advantage disadvantage standpoint but it there's is the also worst schedule from a rest, worst. a net yeah. rest, a net rest differential. We talked about Carolina being the best, and it wasn't like an easy schedule. It's like, oh, they get a lot of rest, but it's still tough teams. That yeah, said, this is the worst from a said, rest differential. That said, this is an easy schedule. It is. This is the easiest schedule in the AFC, I believe, in terms of yep. your strength of opponent. In my I, opinion, I think I have it. I think I have it second easiest. Um, essentially, you have yeah Buffalo and Indy on either side of the bye away. Your bye being neutralized by Indy being off their bye, you know as well. You're facing several teams off the bye, several teams in extra rest spots, and then the Buffalo spot is just Buffalo. Not only, you know, they're getting the extra rest, but you having to play them, you know, on the road after after you playing Tennessee and with your extra rest week. Yeah, all the extra rest spots aren't going to help. You're going to lose that Buffalo game. Like you're going to maybe lose the Indy game. We'll see what Indy is later in the year, and we'll know a lot more about both those teams' quarterback situations by week 15. But yeah, if the Indy spot turns out to not be as tough as it's appearing on paper right now, it's a pretty easy schedule. Sure is. Had, you know, Miami, especially early in the season. You know, the Tampa game's tough, but Miami Jets, New Orleans. Houston, you dodge Dallas, a lot. Jets. You dodge a lot of the tough teams in the NFL. Yeah, it's and then late in the season too, in Jacksonville and Miami to close. It's in Miami, but when you're playing your Miami game, which everyone will bring up, like yeah, they have trouble down there. But you're not playing South Beach in September when it's still hot. So you get your Miami game when at least it's not a miserable weather spot down Absolutely there. Absolutely true. Yeah, that's true. Um, you only have one back-to-back road. A lot of teams have three back-to-back road roads. Sure. And it's it's the second one is at Carolina, so at least it's you know on the East Coast for you. It's not as bad of a travel spot as going true. You know, L.A. Dallas or something like that, where it'll be L.A. back to Gillette and then down to Carolina. Yeah. You, you do, and you, you do play. Four. I mean. You, you host four teams off back to back, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, if if anything, the the we talked about the net the net rest disadvantage. They might have the most teams off a of back to back. I haven't seen four green spots on somebody, and I'll have to double check them. They are getting a lot of teams, and these are good teams. You know, New Orleans. Well, we yet to see what we have at quarterback, but New Orleans, Tampa, Cleveland. Decent teams, supposed to be decent teams. You're facing them in, you know, road back-to-back disadvantage spots. So, if if things work out, yeah, you're probably back in the playoffs, man. If things work out, yeah, yeah. And no, that I'm, is to say, if things work out at quarterback. I guess. What do you think? What do you think of the start to the season? Let's look at these first seven games. They're favored in five of their first seven. Mm-hmm. Which means if you have any positive feelings about the Patriots. This is a team that market. Yeah, but now a team will move in, you know, the the market will move in their favor, uh, presumably. Um, You're only really in, you know, you're a dog to New Orleans at home. That's, I could easily flip. Uh, You're a dog to Tampa Bay. That's going to go up. I would be blown away if that's only a three and a half point spread. 
by the time we get there. Um, and your meaningful favor against Houston Jets, those look like solid wins, I guess. Do um, do you see a, a good start from a win-loss standpoint unfolding in these first seven weeks for New England? You have like alternate realities to go through here. Like, are they starting Cam? Are you starting a rookie? Does it matter? I don't know if it really Which, matters. I guess, night. what decision do you make if you are them and you look at your schedules the way it starts? I'm probably starting Cam. I'm getting getting some of these easy ones out of the way, and maybe um, Cam looks like shit against this Tampa Bay defense. Week five, uh, second half of the game, you get max some reps, and then week five at Houston, it sucks to start him on a start in a road game, but at least it's against one of the worst teams on your schedule. That or at the Jets, like give give him a nice easy in, into a bad defense at least. You know the Jets are he's probably better than Houston sucks it's a road game but you know go go cam for four and then get max some time okay uh, that checks out and honestly yeah you get uh you can probably win three of those games with cam because you only got to get to 24 points probably uh if your defense is playing well uh you could get wins in wins against miami at the jets and against the, the saints those are winnable games um yeah so four games out of cam and then 13 games for Mac Jones. That makes sense to me. Um, the problem is, I guess, I, I, the way the schedule ends, you need some injury luck, I think, in order to be a realistic contender, right? Like this could look very much like last season for them, where it started out pretty oh. good and then it all kind of unwound. Or better than last season, but you still miss the playoffs because you need eleven wins to get in. Yeah, sure, that's true. You needed you needed a, you needed eleven last year. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to see a difference. I don't think a ten-win team gets into the AFC. So you improve by, and you get an extra game to do it, but improve by three wins from last year, you're still not making the playoffs. So that's you a need point. a four a four-win improvement with an extra game to do it, obviously. But yeah, I'm I'm stuck at probably nine wins for this team. Is this a team you're going to ever lay points with? In a couple spots, if they have some bad performances, let's say the the quarterback play is rough and they get to play it. You know, I'm looking if there's a spot against a tough defense followed by like maybe the, the Buffalo game, the defense really stymies them late in the season because Buffalo's hitting, you know, all cylinders, making their playoff push and they look just, real bad then they get to play jacksonville at home you know if you can get a better number than five and a half we'll see what jacksonville is but you know maybe a couple spots there where you go against up against a, a tough defense and you get a, maybe an easier landing the next week for an offense that can probably do it against a bad secondary you or know bad, kind of bad we should look for bad off-ball linebackers where these tight ends could really attack a bad team a bad you know a bad you know, front secondary or second level, whatever you want to call it. There's a few teams like that. Right you know, end, I, I, tight end funnels. Every, they don't really play in the tight end funnels that I see. Yeah, Arizona was like a tight end funnel last year. And that's the thing. We we probably didn't go into the season saying like, oh, Arizona's going to be a tight end funnel. It was like four weeks in, like, oh, Arizona's a tight end. Like, we, we might find one. So I guess maybe in the notes, if you're if you're taking mental notes, look for a team that's horseshit against tight ends and slot play. 
in the defense. They're off-ball linebackers can't cover. They have old-ass defensive ends that are never going to be able to drop in coverage and hang with somebody like that. And the secondary or coaching, defensive coaching stinks. This team might – that might be a team total play. Like, yeah, okay. So here's – so final lose. thoughts on the schedule. They – it's a bad schedule from a rest advantage standpoint. It's a good schedule from a sequencing home and away game standpoint. It is a bad schedule from a, you don't really get to pick on any real bad defenses or real bad coaches. Like there's no obvious like Belichick against a really bad head coach on here, except maybe what McCarthy in Dallas. Uh, otherwise, the coaches up and down this list, I think I have pretty highly rated, at least competent, <laughs> you know, coaches. So Belichick's not going to have the huge schematic advantage. Um, and it's a good schedule based on you're not playing that many just out of this world good offenses that you're not going to be able to go score for score with. Like there's only a couple of them on here that you're, you know, Buffalo, obviously twice, Tampa, uh, Cleveland, I would have enough respect for as an offense. Other than that, there's not a ton of offenses that are going to go score for score and really put pressure on you to score. So you should be in a lot of these games. Um, it's still a high win total for me, though. Let's go take a look at the uh, the odds for the Patriots. We have 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, unbettable. We have 16 to 1 to win the AFC, unbettable. We have 3 plus 350 oh, to win the AFC East, also unbettable. Uh and then to make the playoffs, yes plus 120, no is minus 150. If you made me make a play, I am circling the under 9.5 at minus 120. I think that there is a longer there's a longer tail to the under here that if they stick with Cam Newton for a little too long, if Mac Jones is a little farther away than people realize, if um, there are injuries in this relatively aging defense, if the offensive line isn't quite as good, if the offensive weapons they invested in don't really make a contribution, like there's a lot of ifs that are potentially negatives for the Patriots that I think. I am perfectly fine playing an under. In fact, I did play their win total under. Uh, and uh, I don't feel like this is one of the best bets on the board. This is just, uh, you know, hey, there's this is an inflated total on the back of people think Belichick can move heaven and earth. And, you know, Belichick, the, the personnel guy, has really handicapped him in terms of how he's constructed this roster, in my opinion. So, Yeah, I, I think there's a ton of permutations where they land right on nine. The more I'm looking at it, kind of running the schedule through. So I don't mind that because you're, you're not paying a ton. Some of these unders, you got to pay some heavy juice. If you can find a 110 on under nine and a half, that's a pretty solid play. Plus money would be even better. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at on the Patriots. They're going to be a middling team that might miss the playoffs. Yep, we agree. And more, more of a high, higher likelihood that it goes down, sideways or down than – uh, a positive, uh, like I will be absolutely floored if we get to the month of December and people are talking about the Patriots in the mix of, uh, AFC, um, you know, AFC contenders for lack of a better word. Yeah. Right? The, the anti-football team, they're not going to be in the mix. They might be no. in the mix mathematically, but it's like, you know, there's a couple teams last year. It's like, all right, yeah, the Vikings could make the playoffs, but like, that's it's not going to happen. You know, there's always some teams that are mathematically in it. So, um, let's close the AFC East off with uh, 
last year's champs, last year's AFC title winning Buffalo, Buffalo Bills, kind of not entirely on the back of Josh Allen, but you got to give him a big chunk of the credit because you can't win with bad quarterback play. That's what you had. You had, can't do it. It wasn't bad. It was inconsistent. There was inconsistency in his game, missing wide open guys, not only in the field, but there were lots of instances where like that guy was wide open in the back of the end zone. He threw it four yards over his head. Like, what are you doing with your mechanics to fix this? He did fix it. Probably in many, many, many other seasons, the coach of the year, a strong coaching staff from head to toe, a good defense. They traded with Minnesota. Minnesota got good value for it, but you don't find receivers like this every day either. You get digs. You have uh, guys. I haven't really caught up with why. It must be something with his offseason training. I've seen a lot of Cole Beasley chatter. Um, so you got a couple decent receivers there and a, a good-ish defense. So, like, yeah, this was a team. And these are kind of boring teams to talk about because not only – not only were they good last year, but the, not much happened. Like they didn't have a lot of changes. Um, a team that makes it to the one of the championship games didn't lose a coach or coordinator. It's yeah. I mean, run it back. This is like uh, go listen to our Tampa Bay one. Like, hey, this is a good team, and they're going to be good again. And there's not a whole lot to say. I mean, what? And my big question to you, Drew, what part? When in the 2020 season were you finally convinced, like, this is a team that's winning a playoff game or two? Uh, I don't know if I could pinpoint the spot. I know eventually my mind flipped and it's like, yeah, this is, you know, they, they so they lost only three games and one of them was on yeah. a ridiculous Hail Mary. Like they, yeah. they down at Arizona, they lost in a Hail Mary. Otherwise they lost to the chiefs and Titans who, you know, the, the chiefs just played well. That was at home actually. Yeah. And you know, they lost at the Titans when, when the Titans were just doing that thing where they score on every drive. Like the Titans put up 42 points that day. What are you going to do? You're it's a road game. You can't win them all. Like yeah. it was a great team in the, throughout the season. I remember buying in on the bills like around week 13 uh, heading into that, I, I I had played the Chargers to cover the number against them coming out of their bye in week 12. Uh, Anthony Lynn fiasco at the end of that game. Be damned. That was, I still think it was the right side to play the Chargers. Probably. <laughs> uh, and then I looked at, you know, you basically, you looked at how that offense was performing and you knew that everything was going, you know, swimmingly for them. Uh, coming into that game against the Niners, I hit them pretty hard on that Niners Monday Night Football game. Uh, I don't think I backed them against the Steelers, but I was very cognizant of them being the right side there. I went heavy on them against the Broncos in that Saturday game uh, and then just whacked them every game down the stretch, including against the Colts where they didn't cover in the wild card. So I think it was about... Thanksgiving where I was like okay yeah no I this team can win a playoff game the offense is good enough and it you know what the the signal wasn't just Josh Allen's performance in particular it was just the way the entire offense was being called Brian Dable did a spectacular job of crafting a plus EV offense in every sense of the word 
uh, the scheme, the uniqueness, the uh, you know the passing on early downs, you know, heavy passing on early downs, um, basically just not even worrying about the fact that they couldn't generate much of a rushing attack. Um, and utilizing Stefan Diggs in a way that he is best utilized, which we didn't see in Minnesota. Like all of it was perfect. Uh, and then combine it with the fact that Josh Allen took an enormous leap forward in his progression that was somewhat unexpected. Uh, and yeah, I was I was bought into this team relatively early in the in the uh, in the process, I suppose. Um, I bet on them a lot uh, over the course of the season. Um and uh, was rewarded for it in general. Uh, and I mean, this was just, it was a good solid team uh, that was well coached, that had great quarterback play, that had excellent skill position player play, that had a defense that wasn't great, but it didn't really matter. Um, and ultimately, uh, yeah, the, some... this was, this was, they were, a, they felt like a, like a known quantity, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Bright, bright spots on the defense, not, the greatest defensive performance overall, but the offense clicking and, you know, Josh Allen getting to where he got to, that was, it was just enough. And yeah, like you said, after that buy, they had a week 11 buy every game until the fucking playoff game where I backed them as like a six point favorite too. And they won by three. Ah, oh, fucking Philip Rivers just shitting they at me on his, on his way. Philip Rivers, got, oh, right, yeah, yeah. right in the back, right through the back, right through the back right door through the back before door. he could yeah. go. Uh, can't retire soon enough, and I love that guy. But before that game, the final six games of the season, they won every game by double digits, including yes, games. And they were scoring. They were scoring. At, scoring. Yeah, I mean, scoring. twenty-seven, scoring. thirty-four, twenty-six, yeah. forty-eight, thirty-eight, fifty-six. Those were games at Gillette, at the Niners, at the, I mean, at the Broncos is one. I mean, it's still a game at mile high, but still the, they beat the Steelers. They beat the Chargers. They beat the ever living tar off a Miami team who, again, the must win thing, like they were playing for something. They needed that win to keep their playoff hopes alive. So, and they dropped a 50 burger on them again, every game down the stretch by 10 points or more. They looked real good going into the playoffs, and they made a nice deep run. And I thought they played well in the in the uh, AFC title game. It's just, what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah, I mean, they they had the home game against the uh, Ravens at night. Uh, Ravens, if Lamar Jackson makes one better decision in that game, that's a much closer contest than it ultimately ended up being. Uh, that pick six that really sealed the deal there was, oh, yeah. was pain, pain, painful. Um, especially because if Lamar just tucks it he's in the end zone, there is no doubt in my mind. Um, and yeah, this, it was uh, it was a good win though, a good team win. Uh, even only they had only they only scored seventeen points, they get the win. Um, and then their Kansas City AFC title game was a little weird. Um, they had a solid offensive plan out of the gate, I thought they, but they kind of they didn't have the the they didn't have the uh, the wherewithal of the stakes and how many points they needed to score and the urgency and they let a couple of things slip early that could have really helped them get a much firmer foothold in that one um i thought uh yeah, i mean just the feel the not not taking advantage early yeah, they did let them off. Same as it ever was. Like the Chiefs throw up three touchdowns in the second quarter, and all of a sudden, like, ah, oh, there we go. And then 
There was and a, oh by the way, you drive the field. Eight. You drive the field. It's the end of the second quarter. You're down 21 to 9. You're bleeding out. <laughs> and rather than, you know, kind of recognize you needed to get 7 points in that moment, you tried out and get a 20-yard field goal. There were a lot of field goals. That was a, that was a wave, that was that was quite a, a wave the white flag moment that really made me want to pull my hair out. The Bills, the Steelers, and the Packers and the Titans. There were like four really questionable field goals slash punts in the playoffs. It felt like that was the theme of the 2020 playoffs. Like the fact that we're in the analytical age and coaches are just hiding in their shell in the biggest spots. And I guess it's, it's probably more likely in a bigger spot. Like you can get squirrely in week four and maybe you don't take the heat, but when it's the playoffs, like if I make the wrong decision here, we're in big trouble. So yeah, they didn't take advantage early. And truthfully I had, once we got to that point, uh, not, I mean, Pittsburgh had just dropped like a rock, but Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo, I had them all fairly close and any of them would have, none of them would have surprised me being in the title game versus, you know, the chiefs or against each other. Like any of those teams upsetting the chiefs, in a one game playoff, it's none of that would have been super surprising either. So them making it wasn't surprising and them them losing to the Chiefs probably wasn't terribly surprising, but I thought it was a, a good year and yeah, it kind of leads you like when you have a team like this and you can see it on the rundown on the side if you're watching the video, like we have the next step. Like that that's where you end up in a in a when you're a team like this. Like are you plateauing and missing your window or are you able to figure out how to get past it. It sucks they're in a tough AFC. So um yeah, let's look at the the offseason changes. What did, Almost what did nothing. they do? Almost nothing. Pretty much pretty much Almost nothing. nothing. Uh the third highest acquisition was a punter for 1.8 million a year. Matt Hack. They got a new punter. Um but they yeah they bring in a backup quarterback in Trubisky. They bring in a new wide receiver too in Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, and Andre Roberts gone might be an impact. John Ro- John Brown gone might be an impact. Those guys were sneaky sure. good. Uh, they, you know, because the, they had they had so many multiple looks from the passing game, and they got something out of those guys. I felt like, uh, especially with Josh Allen's ability to throw the ball over over the mountains over there. Um, so it was in general, uh, I think, a fine off season in terms of who left and who comes in, but maybe a small minus on them. Um, no more Josh Norman to pick on in this defense. Um, yeah. Draft, I thought, in general was unspectacular. You got a steal with Gregory Rousseau at 30, probably. He's probably a top 20 talent. Um, and you get him at 30, and he might be able to inject a little bit of uh, athleticism into your you know, youth and athleticism into your kind of stagnant defense. Similarly, Carlos uh, Basham Jr., uh, was there saying you know, another young defensive player picked a couple of offensive tackles picked in the third and fifth round, nothing spectacular from this team in terms of the way that they missed the, you know, they've messed up the, you know, they've um, tried to improve the roster or really prevented the roster from degrading. And uh, that's fine. I think you want to, you want the continuity when you're a team that makes the playoffs for the first time in a, or you make the playoffs two straight years, you get playoff wins for the first time in franchise in a long time for your franchise. What was the previous Buffalo Bills playoff win before they beat the Colts? Was it like, we, are we talking like, like pre mile, pre music city miracle type of time frame Rob here? Johnson? 
Rob I'm gonna, Johnson, I'm look this up, uh, Jim Kelly. Like, are we talking way, way, way long time ago? It might have um, been like way back. I just don't remember Bills teams being that good ever. Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't really. Two, two years ago, they they did make the they did, did make the playoffs. They and, lost in yeah, spectacular they, fashion to the Texans. Yeah, the the Texans in overtime. Before that, they actually made the playoffs. Remember, Terod Taylor took them to the playoffs. Yeah, they lost to the Jags though, like it's nine to three, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you lose, you lose to the just ten to three. You know, give them, a, give them the Jags a little more credit. <laughs> but before before that, they had not made the playoffs since nineteen ninety nine. Music City Miracle. That was, yep. So I, I was going to say that game was memorable for <laughs> all the all the wrong reasons for them. And yeah, their quarterback that day was Rob Johnson. I kind of I, I feel bad for shitting on Terod and forgetting about him taking him to the playoffs. But yeah, the, in the in the mid '90s, they made it a few times, never won a game. Their last win was at the Dolphins, home versus the Dolphins in 1995. Oh my god! So their last win in the playoffs. Was versus um, you know a decent middle of the nineties Dan Marino team, yeah, where Dan Marino would make the playoffs every year and not get anywhere. So they went from winning versus Dan Marino, then their very next win was in the playoffs was against Philip Rivers. Twenty five years, <laughs> twenty five years later. So yeah, a couple of pretty good. All also ran never won a Super Bowl quarterbacks. Yeah, and then yeah, they lose to Mahomes in the AFC title game. Couple like, yeah, just a couple. Yeah, they they, they can wild. only beat Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the playoffs. It turns out, um, yeah. which good. That's good news for Lamar Jackson, I guess, because they beat him. And bad news for Blake Bortles because they could not beat him. Um, <laughs> the the, 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 the uh, but no, but when you have a young team that finally wins playoff games, you bring them back. You bring them all back. You bring the coaches back, you bring everybody back, and you talk it up all preseason, all offseason. Uh, hey, guys, this year we take the next step. This year we're going to the Super Bowl. Like that's kind of where they're at in terms of expectation. And I'm struggling to get there. Are you? There, Yeah. So the offense, John Brown had like 70 targets last year. So they need – and Manny Sanders is good. fine. I think, I think he's good. So, but 50 Manny Sanders – He's a little he's old. fine. He's, he's little old. old. He's fine. Man. Damn near 50% of the targets went to Beasles and Diggs. Like, it's not <laughs> gonna be, it's not gonna be that different. Like we're still gonna and and tr- truthfully, not Knox a little underrated. I mean, can, can we give Knox had like 50 targets? He's more than a more than a blocker. Like Dawson yeah. Knox is gonna play maybe a bigger role in the offense with John Brown missing out. If Sanders gets like 50, 60 targets, that's fine. You know, Cole and Stefan are each going to get 100. Stefan's probably going to yeah. get 150. It looks like he had 186 last year. Oh, that's a wow. lot of targets. I don't think you see the difference, a big difference there. The running back room is going to be bad but fine. Is, is that a term I can coin? Like yes. bad but fine running backs? Like you don't need great <laughs> running backs? You're just no, no, they have the, they have the perfect. They have, they have the perfect running back room. These guys can catch and they're cheap. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's all bad but fine at a cheap price works out similar on defense i think to a team we just talked about in the patriots like they have a good secondary the yes. front seven is a bigger question mark yes. and I, I it's not van noy and a free agent but it's a couple of rookies that they're probably going to ask to do something because jerry hughes is like 
fifty years old. Yeah, I'm not expecting that. Addison either. isn't young either. Yeah, Jerry Hughes and nothing again. Jerry Hughes has been a fine player over the years, and they have Ed Oliver lining up on the inside. Edmonds and Milano are great linebackers, but they're going to need Gregory Rousseau and then this Basham Jr. from Wake Forest, a couple of ACC uh, defensive ends. They're probably going to need something out of them when they're getting rotated in. If Carlos Boogie Basham. I like that. Carlos Boogie Basham. So, yeah, if they can get something, whether they're rotating in or they're supplanting Addison and Hughes eventually, if they can get something from these guys, the defensive front seven takes a step forward. White, Hyde, I mean. I think think you move on from Addison and Hughes as soon as possible. I think get get Epinesa uh, more snaps. He was a decent uh, pick for them last year. I think he's got a future in the league. Um, Yeah, you want to get the – yeah, get get your youth get your youth movement in there as soon as possible on the edge, and um, because otherwise, like there are some questions and problems with this defense. CB two remains a problem. Uh, CB one remains an absolutely solved. <laughs> Trey Trey White rocks. That guy rocks. He's going to give you solid performance this year. You can write it in pen. Uh, Levi Wallace CB two is a guy you can pick on, uh, and similarly your slot corner, whoever that may be. Uh, Richard Wild Goose, you think? Who, who do you think gets the slot corner ask here? Is it uh, uh, Dane Jackson? Uh, I really uh, Teron Johnson, maybe. I, this Teron, is Teron, jo- Teron Johnson's probably getting slotted in there, but yeah, the, a little bit of an issue. Like uh, Hyde and White are great. Power Poyer. Poyer's good. Yeah, Jordan Poyer's good. Poyer, it's a good safeties, good CB one. You need something from this cornerback too in the slot corner, and then I forgot about uh, they signed Fa Obata from oh. the uh, well, on, on the edge. I'm back on the edge. I was just googling this guy because I feel like he was okay for the Panthers last year. Yes, he you know what? He had he's... five and a half sacks, a forced fumble, a couple recoveries. He was okay. He didn't start. He was a rotation guy. So between him and the rookies, if they rotate some guys through, maybe they'll be a little better from the edge. But yeah, the the CB two thing definitely that's a that's a thing up there. And if you're facing an offense with multiple good receivers, you might be in a little bit of trouble here. The only thing to throw the cold water on the cold water is that you have really good safety play and you have good linebackers. They can help those guys out. So yeah, linebacker unit, health was an issue. Matt Milano availability was a an lot issue of injuries. Um, and I, honestly, I gotta say, just while I was talking about defensive personnel, um, I don't know about this. Uh, I don't know about Ed Oliver. I don't know if he's gonna he's, he's ever gonna live up to the potential, and his potential <laughs> is so high. Hype. Way too much hype. Yeah, I think he's gonna tough. be a fine player, but it's not gonna be the the hype that we saw. Yeah, most especially but the most important college, thing Jesus. we yeah we we mentioned it, but bringing back Brian Dable as your offensive coordinator that was the most important in terms of uh, continuity in terms of offseason impact here, in my opinion. Um, so next step, the next step, can this team? Well, I mean, I mean, if we if we you run it back and everything is exactly the same and they hit every damn note that they hit last year. And they play a little bit better in the FC Championship game against an equal strength opponent. Like, is is this a Super Bowl contender? Is this a yeah. team that we yeah. ought, we need to have? Okay, why am I not there? I, I'm I'm close. I think it's because there's so many teams that are going to be, and we've teased this a couple times. Just spoiler alert: we're going to be a little cold on Casey. 
We are. Yeah. So if KC was a notch above the Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo, Tennessee, even section, and we've already, you know, we'll, we'll let you know how we feel about Tennessee as well eventually here. But if KC was a notch above and they take a step back and we believe Buffalo will be just as good, maybe a little better. We haven't got to Baltimore yet, but if they can improve their passing game, um, Cleveland will have to try to throw some cold water on the hottest offseason team that's getting the shit mushed out of them. But that, that's the thing. Like, if all four of those teams are kind of of equal strength, and by equal strength, I mean like 12 to 13 win teams, it's hard to say, like, well, you're probably going to have to beat two of those teams just yeah. to get the chance to go face, you know, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Whoever. San Fran, yeah. Rams, whatever. So, like, the AFC title game is like the mid-90s NFC title game now. It's like, Christ, the Cowboys and the Niners? That's a really good game. Like, oh, my God, they're going to ether Stan Humphreys or, you know, <laughs> O'Donnell or, like, whoever makes the title game or makes the champion, the, as Super Bowl, we'll call it, I guess, to coin a phrase. But it, it, it just feels – and it, it's funny because the NFC won the title, got, uh, the championship, the Super Bowl last year with uh, Tom Brady obviously taking obviously. the Chiefs down. And, and we could see a similar situation here again, but it feels like, man, it just stacked. And you, you felt for those Cowboys and Niners teams because, like, these are two of the best teams in the league and one of them staying home. And it's going to be another case of that again. I think Buffalo would have composed himself just as well in the Super Bowl. Cleveland maybe was a little bit away yet. Um, Baltimore has some deficiencies, but they're a high-end team too. And I think that's where I'm at. Like, to take the next step, you yeah. really have to clearly take a step forward in one of the spots you're a little deficient in. Like I said, Baltimore, if their passing game takes a big jump forward, they're going to be the, they might be the AFC favorites. I think if you nailed team it. Defense plays well, they might be the AFC favorites. If Kansas City doesn't regress at all, they're the AFC favorite. If Cleveland, if all the hype turns out true, they may, like those, four, any of those four teams in, you know, five weeks in could be the AFC favorites, especially with the media hype. Like, one of these teams just has to take one of their minor deficiencies, turn it into a strength, and all of a sudden they're, you know, uh, the favorite out of the gate. I think you nailed it, and I think that's why I'm a little cool on the Bills. Yeah, there's too many damn teams. There's too many damn teams. And do we expect Kansas City to take a step backwards? Yes. Is it going to be enough of a step backwards that Buffalo is better than them? No. Do we think uh, that Cleveland addressed their biggest holes? In the roster yes we do do we think baltimore addressed their biggest holes in the roster yes we do so basically your the other two teams you were kind of on par with may have passed you and the team that is ahead of you hasn't come back enough that you are past them and so i can entirely see this season playing out and come playoff time buffalo being my fourth choice out of those four yeah, teams you're a top five team in the league, but you're a top four team in your conference. <laughs> yeah, you're, right. You're, yeah, but you're the fourth right. best, fourth best team in the conference. So also and, in the uh, back yeah. of my head, in the back of my head, isn't there like still some whisper of Josh Allen's still that guy? He could suck. He could yeah, would, take a he really he, he, he over he overperformed in terms of completion percentage over expectation by a lot, especially on early downs. The book is going to be out on them passing more on early downs. Defenses are going to be more prepared for it. He's going to have to be that much, you know, he's going to have to be that uh, good again in terms of his precision passing on early downs for this offense to be as good as they were last year. Stefan Diggs, 
Is he, is he going to perform as well as he did last year? Man, he was unreal, so. dude. So he was unbelievably was good last year. What if that was the peak of his entire career? What if that was the top of the arc for Stefan Diggs? It's weird. We're going to talk about the continuity, and I think that that's a perfect segue. I think keeping his offensive coordinator, keeping you know most of the, the – John Brown is a, is a big loss, and hopefully Manny can step up for them, but – the continuity in the coaching staff, especially on the offensive side, is going to be big for both Diggs and Allen. I think you you got to give Diggs, or excuse me, you got to give Allen a shitload of credit for sure. you know improving everything that was wrong with him mechanics wise, decision making. He already had the athletics, the size, the arm. He just needed better decision making, better execution, better accuracy, and he did. He took a big step forward. But I'm going to give a big chunk of that credit to this coaching staff and the fact that, you know, the bills and us and the chiefs too. I mean, it's, it's just, it was a weird hiring cycle. I think, I mean, obviously we ended up with David Cully, but the chiefs and the bills keeping their offensive coordinators felt kind of weird. I guess that just, that's just kind of how the NFL works, especially there was like seven, six, seven openings, uh, Leftwich and Tampa, he didn't really, I mean, he got some looks, I suppose, but him, him sticking around, who was the fourth team to make, was it Green Bay in the title game? Yeah. Yes. Green Bay's having some different kind of issues, but nobody <laughs> took it. Nobody took like a serious look at Nate, Nate Hackett. No. So, I mean, no. that, that was, that's not surprising, but none of the, none of the final four teams losing an offensive coordinator in today's day and age feels a little strange, I guess. So uh, good for them, but I don't think that you make it through another cycle. You know, you can talk about your window being based off having a cheap rookie quarterback deal or just being in a good spot in the cap in general. But I think having Brian Dable hooked up with McDermott, that's might be a big part of your window too. And I don't know how many more of these hiring cycles Dable makes it through. So maybe that's part of the window. The continuity is great. Having him back, having, you know, Leslie, Leslie Frazier falls into the category that I talk about every year. Great coordinator, horrible head coach. And I think he's, he's great to have on the spot and having a good head coach and Sean McDermott, maybe my second best head coach in the league. Really. If I'm, if I'm ranking him right now, he's certainly top five. I think he maybe didn't get enough credit because there were so many great coaches that had good stories and narratives for him last year, but keeping those three guys together, keeping most of your offense together and the, the continuity. And that that's what allows you. Like we talked about this in the last segment is taking that next, next step means like you said it better than me, but filling, you know, a deficiency, making a deficiency into a strength. And if you have a big loss of like an offensive coordinator, you lose uh, a cluster of players from one of your strengths. It's harder to fill in because it creates a second deficiency that you have to backfill and not really having that leads you to hopefully you can fill it in. And yeah, you didn't have a high draft capital. You made the best of it. You probably got a pretty good value with Rousseau and you were able to backfill at wide receiver. So I, I mean, guess with the continuity at coaching and the roster, hopefully I mean, for Bills fans, for Bills betters, for the city of Buffalo, they were able to do something in some of the spots where they lacked. And I'm trying to put a pin on, like, where was it they lacked, really? Like, they had some defensive injuries. 
And no answer for Travis Kelsey in the AFC Championship. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> that was that a big part. Like, yeah, he was he ran rampant, and that's I mean he does that to people, but you can't like shit on him for that. So no. I think that the deficiency is probably a little better play from the defense. And if this defense steps up, if these rookies work out, if they need to make another move yet in the offseason, so be it. But I think that the continuity is great, and yeah, if the defense improves, that's what gets them to that next level. Okay. And the schedule ain't bad. Yeah, that's, team. that's kind of, that's a good point. Yeah. Let's pull this up. And honestly, this is probably leading me to a, uh, just a, Hey, don't overthink it. The bills are going to be fine. They're going to be in the mix. A ton of their potential, a ton of their, a ton of their likelihood of winning the Super Bowl, playoff run playoff wins in general is going to come down to how healthy they stay how they're playing at the end of the year and what their path looks like because they're going, they're going guys, they're getting there. This team is winning the AFC East. It's this, this is not, this is a don't overthink it moment. Um, The schedule is easy. It's really easy. Uh, They are favored in all but two games. The two games are at KC and at Tampa Bay. Um, So you want to chalk up. Yeah. Those are, yeah. You want to chalk up two losses. Fine. I think they're live in that KC game personally. Um, coming off of a Houston game where they're 14 point. Oh man, what a, what a, what a look ahead spot. If there ever was one, my God, are we going to have to bet Houston week four? Oh, good Lord. (laughs) I'm already sick to myself thinking about that. Yeah. They're Um, up by 10, the whole game, never in doubt Houston plus 14, never in doubt. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that. I, I, those icky ones always come through the ones where you just feel (laughs) terrible having it in your account. But I mean, even the Washington game seven might be a bit much with that defense seven and a half, excuse me. So, and both of those opponents getting extra rest, Washington and Houston. So those are are games they win. They win a high percentage of the time, but maybe the covers aren't always there, but yeah, easy landing into the KC game is tough where they'll surely be live. Especially with the, I don't ever use the revenge angle, but it's a team they just saw. They obviously have watched that tape plenty. They will watch that tape again plenty. And then Tennessee at Tennessee, that's not the easiest game, but they will be, you know, a small favorite. They're on back to back roads. That's not great heading into the bye. Tennessee game might be a loss if Tennessee doesn't take sure. a big step back. That could be sure. a, that could be a bit of a shootout. Especially Bad, if they ten- overperform in KC and then kind of let their guard down a little bit, which happens. And, and ten- Tennessee with the bad defense, though, I mean, that that could be a fun over game. Oh, shit, yeah, it's, it could be. I bet that's a bit of a higher total already. And then you go into the bye and you come out you as know a, what it is. essentially a, what, 52? 51 and a half. You come Close out of the bye 54. and you're a touchdown favorite almost, or you are for like four straight games. Two of them on the road. Your two road games are against the dregs of the league. And uh, not only that, but rookie rookie quarterbacks, bang, bang. So, yeah, you go two at home and then rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback on the road. And then you get to face Carson Wentz. You get to face Taysom Hill. You get to face Mac Jones. (laughs) Then you got to go Brady on the road. Then you get Sammy Darnold. Darnold. You get Cam Newton because at that point they've switched back because Mac got hurt. (laughs) <laughs> and you get uh, at home to close the season, Art Smith yeah. on his Coach of the Year victory tour at that point, if they've already clinched the wild card yeah, and are just looking for playoff seating. But Atlanta and the Jets to close the season, both at home, 
it's first a pretty good out. schedule for being a first out. Yeah. yeah, for being mm-hmm. a first place team, it's not a bad schedule. And part of that is having New York and the New York and I mean it's what made the Patriots from a great team to a a really great team every year. It's like, oh, they get the AFC East schedule. Now the yeah. Bills are that team. Like they're the good team. They're playing three teams in their division that have quarterback question marks. One of them being a rookie, the other one being an injury risk, and my New England not making their mind up, possibly another rookie. So the Bills are they're going to win this division. And I guess, yeah, that that's it's like the Patriots. Like they don't get excited about winning the division every year. It's sure. It's like, well, now we need to finish this up, go get it done in the postseason. One seed is on the table. It's on the with table. With a division like this. It is on the table. And honestly, the two games that you circle as you are prepping for your season, Casey and Tampa Bay, like they're live in those games, man. This is a team that can score 30 points on any given day, which means they're live in those two games, period. Uh, I don't think those are auto losses. The fact that they're on the road doesn't matter to me at all. This team can go on the road and score. We saw it a bunch last year. Um, those are going to be competitive games. And um, if the coaching is as good as it was last year, which we have every reason to expect it will be, uh, I think you're talking about potential one seed for the Buffalo Bills. And honestly, the, you know, they'll, they'll drop a couple weird ones. They'll, like you said, like like mentioned, like they might lose at Tennessee. They might lose at they might lose versus Atlanta late in the season if Atlanta's offense is clicking and scoring. So you know, there's a couple of weird ones that I could see them losing. But overall, this is a this is going to be a team where a lot of weeks you are asking. Are we are we laying the touchdown <laughs> with the Bills? Are we are we going to do this? Because feels like we should do this, uh, and then we ultimately just defer to okay, we'll just play over fifty. Play the team total. Yeah, oh, team play total. the team total over. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, secret, a lot of secret pod plays on the team total over for the Buffalo Bills likely this season. Yeah, every every Wednesday it'll just be the Bills. We'll yeah, right, right, right. So let's talk about the odds then. Price not quite good enough. 12 to 1 for the Super Bowl when there's 16 to 1, 20 to 18 to 1, 20 to 1's out there for some of the other teams that are kind of on their par. Uh, 5 to 1 for the AFC. Meanwhile, like the likes of the Browns are 8 to 1. Um, minus 40, 140 for the uh, AFC East. Now, if bankroll was not a, um, you know, bankroll was not a consideration, what would Kelly oh, have you? <laughs> playing that yeah, minus 140. Say, all I needed was Ches Revy to win the tournament last week. And then then we could have just taken all of that money. But um so one that's a 1.714. One divided by 1.714. That implies they win this division 58.3% of the time. What is the real number? What is the real so like I don't think New England can get to 10 is their ceiling. Miami with a good offense, 10 11. Yeah. Buffalo's floor, 10 with this 11. Schedule is 10 yeah. 11. Like they win this division 65% of the time. Like, I am a, fine with that. Maybe number. higher. I would have said higher. I would have said yeah, higher. I, I didn't want to get I didn't want to get too grandiose or go full hyperbole and say they win like 80%, but 65 to 70% of this time, just throwing in the injury risk of a, a running quarterback. Uh, who's a backup I mean, Mitch he's, Trubisky Mitch Trubisky can win some of these games he's not terrible he, shit on the guy. he's not a he's a, he's a good backup oh man running yeah, quarterback. Probably, yeah. 70% of the time they win this division like the, the number should be higher the number should be 
considerably higher. That's a play. It should be it should be minus two hundred. And the yeah. fact that it's I think I think this is something I'm adding somewhat right absurd. Now. I'm going to go shop around a little, see what I can find for the best number. I will actually be in Iowa tonight, so Ooh, I'll be cool. able to hunt at some of the legal books as well. If they, you know, the other week I went down there and it would not believe that I was in Iowa. Oh, really? Just, it was Geo doing tracker the thing where, bug. Yeah, it's like it's like try to. So I drove to a Casey's. Anybody in the Midwest knows Casey's for their pizza, the best gas station pizza there is. I drove there and parked outside <laughs> and hooked up to their Wi-Fi. So I'm like, it has to know. I'm on an Iowa Wi-Fi that like hooked up to it. It should be able to read. Still wouldn't believe me. And you know what? The top 30 and 40 bets I wanted to make that week would have lost me money. So oh, the really? joke is on you. Um, legal book I won't mention because I don't want to, you know, make them mad. I don't remember who it was. I tried a couple and it's like nobody would believe I was in Iowa. So I'm going to hopefully better luck tonight. But I will, I'll be hunting this down. I'll be looking for the best number on the Bills to win the division. Anything under 150 is a pretty good bet. What do you think uh, some of the market-making shops have, out of curiosity? I've seen 151 I, at Chris right now. All right, that was what I was looking for. It was, it was having trouble loading for me for reasons unknown. People have had issues today. I don't know why. It's very, um, very spinning wheel of deathy. <clears throat> I just found a minus 140. I'm not sure what the limit is on this prop. I'll take a nickel. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So Buffalo Bills win the AFC East is plus EV play by my numbers. Uh, over ten and a half wins minus one fifty. Under ten and a half wins is plus one twenty. At that point, just find an eleven and a half, I guess. Uh, at what? What's that going to be? Plus one forty, plus one fifty ish. Um, I like that a lot better than I like laying uh minus one fifty at ten and a half. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Official prediction, 12 and 3. That's not enough First games. seed. Oh, excuse me. 12 and 3? Uh, I mean, I you went backwards. 14 and 3. 14 and 3? 13 and 4. 13 and 4? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say they lose their two tough games and then cough up one of the, like, either uh, something weird or the, the Tennessee game is kind of a goopy game, too. I'll say they split with Miami. Losing that one where they're standing in the heat. Yeah. I'll give them a loss to Tennessee, loss to Atlanta, and then one of the KC-Tampa Bay games they lose when they win. They get revenge against KC, but they lose to Tampa. They finish 13-4, and four, which is good for second in the AFC or first. It might be for It might be a tie. There might be a tiebreaker, but they may have lost to that team. If it's Kansas City. Interesting. Um, They don't have Baltimore on the schedule. They don't have, they don't have Cleveland on the schedule. So Um, Baltimore Baltimore and Cleveland, the winner, the winner of the AFC central North, I'm said central won't have a game with them. So they won't have a head to head would go to a different tiebreaker. If Tennessee runs it back and has a great year, that would be a head to head tiebreaker. Same thing with KC. So, It'd be interesting. I think there's probably going to be a tiebreaker involved. You know what's funny? Baltimore and Cleveland play each other twice. Baltimore and KC play each other. Cleveland and KC play each other. Buffalo only has to play KC out of those four. That's a good point. I like that. That's a great nugget to close it. Anybody who made it the full 90 minutes got a hell of a nugget to close it. And, yeah, I just found some Bills minus 140. I found some Bills minus 150. They're winning the division, says us.
Yes. Gross, I gross chalky. Don't overthink it. If this doesn't hit, we feel bad about Josh Allen's, you know, rupture, ruptured appendix or shattered femur or whatever bad happened to him to cause him to only win like 11 games. It's all good. Um, you know, I, you know, we, we forgot the other X Shout factor. Shout out Chris We forgot the other X factor. <laughs> What did Chris he, was Sims a was a spleen. That was a spleen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other X factor is uh, Patriots will not have Ernie Adams in the booth this is, helping this craft is the game for him, helping in Belichick's ear, giving him the. Wouldn't uh, that be something if the Patriots seriously won like three games and we and, and it's it was like, Ernie it was Adams all for Ernie. twenty years? It was all Ernie. It was all Ernie. That would be, that would be the most electric narrative of the year. <laughs> I will be on that narrative. You better fucking believe that. Oh, we'll bring we'll bring that up every week. So, uh, <laughs> AFC South next week. Ooh, all right. This is gonna be tough, man. I have a couple it's bets tough, already. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, have to, I'm gonna have to sit, conference. Or I'm gonna sit and think about this. Tough. I'm gonna have to sit and think about what we're gonna do with the AFC South. Yeah, so but I, I have some. I feel like I'll have some takes. There's and, some uh, swirling you know, doubt about the team we're probably talking about first, huh? Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen with that? Yeah, who knows? There's a All lot right, of swirling well, doubt. We're, we're it's still July, buddy. So lots of swirling doubt. It feels like it's closer to the season starting, but I'm glad we are where we are. Yep. So, three down. Okay. Three down. Four to go. Three down. Uh, five to go. Math not strong today. Twelve and three. <laughs> the twelve and three Bills. It could be that at some point, but yeah, we'll catch three. you next week. Thanks for hanging and out and uh, the end of the season. Yeah, if you uh. If you are in the YouTube channel, hit me with a thumbs up. That is the only thing that sustains my uh, dopamine levels anymore at this point. <laughs> Numb to the world. Thumbs up only. Thumbs up only. See you guys.